Now, we've been talking about growth. Now, we, I know we have a backup drummer somewhere. There's got to be a backup drummer somewhere. We're talking about growth. Hello. You need to rise up. It's time. Amen. This year, this year, we need to have a, a first string, second string, third string worship team, right? Hallelujah. We sure did get quiet. <laughs> second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to read a uh, verse there. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, man. I'm just excited to be here. You know, we're going to spend eternity together. Did you know that? We're going to be in heaven together. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you'll leave, live on the same street that I live on in heaven. <laughs> on, uh, on the hill there, you know. Um, but I'll come down and visit you. <laughs> no, but we're going to be in heaven together, spending eternity. And we can look back on this life and the, the, the struggles, the trials, the ups and downs, and laugh at some of the things that used to have us all tripped out and, 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 and having conversations around things like, remember the argument we had? And I thought it was you, and you thought it was me, and it was the devil all along, right? And, and we'll be able to see and know things for what they really are. Man, I, I look forward to that. So that's why days like this, just coming in church, worshiping, it matters. It matters to us. It matters to us because it gives us a little piece of reality, of perspective. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, but um, I just thought I needed to say that. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. In the New International Version, Paul says this, and you have it there on the screen. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Heavenly Father, my prayer this morning is that you would speak to us, that you would have your way this morning as you uh, are here, Lord God, you were here before we showed up, and you're present in our worship, in our prayer, in our giving, in all that takes place. So I pray now, Lord God, that you would speak to us. Let your words find good soil to bear its fruit in our lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, amen. Amen. We've been talking quite a bit about grace. Uh, we've been talking about growth. And this month, the focus <clears throat> is growing in grace. And grace is, is that unearned advantage that God gives us. That unearned advantage that God pours out upon people who come to him. We come to God and he gives us an advantage, an edge, the ability to become, to do, to rise into a, uh, a, a being, a person that um, was, not, was not within our reach uh, without that grace. It's a gift that God gives. And it's a gift that God gives that he does not necessarily have to give. But he gives, not because of obligation or, or, or from any promise, but he gives because of it's just an unearned advantage, this favor that God pours out upon people, right? And he loves us. It's an undeserved kind of a, a, a favor. And he desires to bless people, even the, especially the undeserving. And, and that's me, and that's you, and that's all of us, because there's nobody who deserves it. In fact, the Bible 
reveals a God who searches the world for undeserving people, looking for someone to love into his presence, to welcome into his family. And so he, he looks for the lonely and the broken and, and all of us who have wandered aimlessly in life, that we're searching without, without any purpose, so direction, where am I going, where am I heading, what, what is this all about? And somehow God finds us at some point, usually the lowest point in our lives, and he calls us by grace. God, by his grace, calls us out of that depression and sorrow. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about, the meaninglessness, right? To a life of purpose and direction. And he's able to put us on course with whatever it is his spirit wants to do in our lives. However, there are times, there are times that people receive this gift of God in vain. They receive it in vain. What does it mean to receive God's grace in vain? It means that whatever he's done in our lives, or whatever he's attempting to do or desiring to do to reach us and to change us turns out to be unsuccessful. If you can imagine that, because we don't imagine God failing at anything. God doesn't fail. God's attempts at the things that he does never falls flat. But Paul is suggesting this thing that, man, I want to know what he's talking about because he says, man, as God's co-workers man we urge you some version says beseech uh, uh, you know we beseech you we urge others say we beg you man don't receive this grace in vain as if you receive something and then nothing happens this grace has the power of transformation to receive it and then nothing happens he's saying we urge you and that's what it means that that God is giving us something and somehow it becomes fruitless the thing that, that probably the most powerful, uh, uh, you know, forced uh, grace, it opens doors that are shut. It, it, it brings life to, to those that were dead. Grace, he says, don't receive it in vain. Let it do its work in your life. Don't receive it and squander it to put it away. The, the message Bible reads, companions as we are in this work with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us, right? And when you think of squander, squander means to waste something recklessly. That you just go out and just, ah, you know, just kind of waste it. Not giving it away. Giving it away, that, that would be like philanthropy. That would be kindness if you gave it away. But to squander it is to waste it on yourself with nothing to show for it. Can you imagine God's grace? He pours grace into your life for years and years. And at the end of your life, you turn back and there's nothing to show for the grace that God has given you. That's what Paul is, is urging these people. Hey, man, don't let that happen to you. It's hard to imagine that God would ever do anything that could possibly be received in vain. But God is always willing to take a risk on people, people like myself, to reach me at my point of need, when I'm all broken down and messed up, and offer me an opportunity to go far beyond that 
which I can even ask or imagine. There, there, there are things that I could not imagine happening in my life. There are probably things that you probably, when you think about yourself, well, that'll never happen. I can never do that. But God's grace is able to carry us. It becomes a bridge, an open door, an opportunity to become what we can't even imagine ourselves to become, right? But very few dare to believe this kind of impossible dream. Very few dare to believe it. Can God use me? Yes, he can. Well, I don't believe it. I would love to serve God, but I can't. I would love to do things, for, but I can't. I would love to break these chains of bondage, but I can't. I would love to be happy, but I can't. To stop being lonely, but I can't. God offers his grace. And we, and we look at it and we say, man, if, if God really knew me, if, if he really knew my past, he wouldn't bother with me. If he really knew the patterns that I'm stuck in, the rut that I'm stuck, man, he wouldn't bother with me. And, and very few dare to believe that it's possible that God wants to do something great. So his grace is offered, but sometimes not embraced. Sometimes we don't take hold of it and grab onto it and say, man, I'll never let this promise go. God has promised me, he's called me his very own, and I'm going to believe this, and I'm going to walk in this. He says that he's going to use my life, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to walk in it. Very few get there. The fact that he's called you in the first place and lifted you up has given us a, 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 an indication that that, man, he is there with us and, and that grace can carry us even further if we're willing to believe. But sometimes, sometimes we, see, we receive it, we take hold of it in vain. Unless we agree to it, unless we accept it, unless we live in it and allow that grace to change our lives, we receive it in vain. Grace is an offer of reconciliation. Grace can be thought of like a pardon. Like, like a pardon, a, a warden has a prisoner and, and you have the, you know, the right not only to keep that person locked up, but uh, man, that, you know, it, it would be not only your right to do so, but it would be not, uh, the proper thing because a person is found guilty, man, and here's uh, something you, you, you've got to, to pay for. You have to, you, man, you, you've got to live this out, but, but a pardon is to say, you know what, in spite of that, I'm going to let you go. That's what grace is. In spite of who we are, God says, I'm going to love you as if nothing had ever happened in the past. God's appeal to these people here is for them to live up to the terms of that pardon. He has pardoned you. He's, he's willing to look past these issues in your life. And not only to look past them, but to give you the strength to grow out of that condition and never to go back to that again. Grace is able to do that. It transforms us, renews us, and sets us on a new course. And that's his appeal to these people. Don't waste it. Don't ignore it. Don't lose it. Don't sit on it. Don't put it on the shelf. It was grace that picked us up off the streets. It was grace that looked past our vanity. It was grace that looked past our self-righteousness and our addictions and our perversions. The stuff that, man, people today, you, you hear on, on news, uh, especially in the entertainment world, stars are falling all over the place. It's like a meteor shower, man. Stars are falling all over, you know, because of old tweets, because of conversations and, and bad judgments. 
and their past is catching up to them and, and all kinds of things that, that are taking place. What Paul is saying, man, that, that, that kind of a thing, man, God is able to say, you know, let me fix that. Let me fix that for you. And Paul is trying to urge people, man, what God fixes, don't take for granted. Isaiah says that to God, even our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Can you imagine that? On your best day, the best thing that we could do. It's like filthy rags to God. We, we couldn't do right if we tried. That, that's the picture. That we're, man, we're, we're fallen and we need help. So grace is a pardon. And setting aside all of our faults, wasted time, foul habits, hello, impulsive behavior. Is anybody here, right? He offers us a pardon, like a get out of jail free card. Yeah, can you imagine that? What, man, here I am stuck again, but you know what? God has given me this part. What am I doing? Let me get out of this thing, man. Let me get out of this depression. Let me get out of this place that I find myself. He's opened the door for me so we can walk in the grace that he's given us to grow in it, to thrive in this promise that he's given us. But it must be embraced. It must be applied. Otherwise, it will be given in vain. That is what Paul is talking about. The sense here is that it is possible that God's offer might be given to you. And you come to Christ, and he gives you a plan for life, not just a ministry, a calling, a, a life calling, uh, where, where you, you build a family and you're part of a community, and he raises you up. Doors of opportunity open for, it, for us, but all of it be in vain because we never really embrace the promise. Am I a Christian? Am I a believer? Am I a man of integrity? Have I left behind the addictions and, and adultery? Have I left behind the unfaithfulness? And, and we fail to live into the calling, into the grace that he has provided for us. Can you imagine? That's what it means. That's what he's talking about. Jesus once described an, an entire city as receiving his grace in vain. If you recall the story where he says, Woe to you, Chorazin, and woe to you, Bethsaida, if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented a long time ago in sackcloth and ashes. If I had done in those cities what I did in this city, had I preached those messages, had I healed and performed miracles in those cities the way I did in these cities, man, they would have repented. They would have changed their lives. He goes on and says, but I tell you, it will be more bearable for those cities on the day of judgment than for you. Jesus is saying, man, had I done for them what I did here, man, they wouldn't have squandered the effort. It's like, I, it's like I'm, I'm wasting, I'm, I'm spinning my wheels. You know, they, they would have received my grace. And they wouldn't have received it in vain. It's, I'm here and I'm laboring and, and I'm working, right? They would, have, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes with the deepest and most genuine sorrow. It would have been like this. There, there were, there's no converts, man. There's, there's no breakthroughs. If I had done these things there, man, there would be revival, Transformation. There's still people, they're here, no progress. And 
no growth and no transformation right there in, in Bethsaida and Chorazin. And man, Jesus is saying, man, I did some of my best work in this city. I did some of my best work here. I walked on water. It was in, he, he, he walked on water. It was there that he healed the blind man. Remember the blind man? And he worked that one. Man, he had to, he, you know, I, I can barely see. I, it, people look like trees. Here, let me try. And it's the only miracle where Jesus had to do a second time. And another, I will try this. Bethsaida, where he fed 5,000 people. But there was no response. Nada. It's like God squandered. It's like they squandered God's efforts. They squandered God's grace. And Jesus says, man, he had to do, man, had he done the same thing in Tyre and Sidon, man, they, there would have been a revival there. People would have been broken and repented and transformed. Jesus knew that he had he preached the same things and done the same things among other people, they would be thriving, following. What was trivial to one, what was superficial to one, would cause deep, serious change to another. Should he give up on Tyre and Sidon? No, you don't give up. You don't stop doing what you're doing and, or to, in Bethsaida or Chorazin. You don't give up. You, you continue in the hopes that people will embrace the grace. They were destroyed, these cities later, because of their, their lack of, of response to God. But grace, God is willing to pour out, man. God is willing to pour out on us. I don't know what it is about, about us, man, but, but God looks at us, and he has a plan and a purpose that we just don't see. We don't understand, and, and we can't even find reasons to love ourselves. There, there are times when people can't find reasons to love. Why would anybody love me? Why would anybody want me? Why would anybody care about me? But it's amazing that we can't even imagine the, the depth of God's love for you. And the willingness for him to do what he's done for you. He went to the cross for us and suffered for us. And that he does not do in vain. There's a purpose there. There's a power there to set the captive free. There are people today who are going around in circles. There's some people stuck in reverse. After having made strides in God's kingdom, after having come to encounter the love of God and, and God put their life in, in motion they go for a while, and after doing great things and, and coming to know this love, they've turned around and begin to go backwards. And they've, they've uh, you know, lost ground, lost passion, and in some cases, even lost their good name. This is an aggravation to Christ. It's an aggravation to pour out favor, to hand out pardons, and then be slighted in return. Christ came into the world to bless us. Right to bless us and to use us. But if that blessing is insulted, if it's ignored or, or it has to be, you know, uh, you know it, or, or put on the shelf, oh, thank you, guys, this is nice, and we place it on the shelf and, and never, never live into it and grow into it, it's like we slighted Christ. Woe to Inglewood. Woe to Hawthorne. Can you imagine if he, Jesus came out and said that? Woe to Inglewood. If I had done these things in Linux, right? Had I done these things in Linux, man, they, they would be, there would be revival in the streets. 
parades in the streets, man. They'd have their own NFL team and baseball team and hockey team. Can you imagine that? No room for houses anymore, but man, we got teams now. He preached to those cities with an anticipation for a response, for transformation. That's what his whole purpose of coming and preaching was for people. And, and there are places where he, Jesus would come and preach, and multitudes would follow him, multitudes. And they would tell their sisters and brothers and, and cousins and uncles, and they would come and see Jesus. And that, that sense of excitement, anticipation was contagious. It was contagious, and others would come to know Christ, and others would hear about, and they said, man, i got to see it for myself, and they would go to see, and bam, their lives are transformed, changed. Grace, they would receive it and embrace it. He preached to those cities because he wanted people to change, right? To change, that his words would take root, that his words would bear fruit. He wants to make us fishers of men, teachers and evangelists and preachers. He wants to make us good fathers, good mothers. He wants to make us friends, to be a good friend. Can you imagine God transforming my life so that I can be a good friend to somebody? Somebody that some, they could confide in me. And, and I'm like, like, what? Oh, what happened? Guess what? You know? Tell me what else happened, you know? And Spreading, spreading, you know, news all over the place. Can you imagine God redeeming me to make me a good friend or a good leader? So now is the time to accept this grace. Now is the right time. That's what Paul is saying. It's the acceptable time of God's favor right now, the appointed time. Paul says, I urge you. I urge you. This is an indication of, of necessity. This is, it's important. Uh, this, is, this is urgent. I urge you, receive the grace. Receive the grace. Recount it. Think about what has God done for me. He's done a lot for me. Where did he find me? Where was I when God found me? Let me think about where I was. Let me think about, let me pull those, 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 that place back. Let me remember where I was. The searching, the loneliness, the lostness. And receive this grace. To put it to use, not to let it go dormant, not to let it choke, be choked out by the trivial, unnecessary uh, things that I, they get caught up in, the distractions, but to receive it with results, to receive it with a determination that I'm not going back. There's nothing back there for me. There's nothing back there. I'm, I'm not going back. I'm going to receive it and walk in this grace, in the grace of God. So if God calls you a beloved son, you be that son. If God calls you a beloved daughter, you be that daughter. If he's opened up doors, walk through them. That's what it means to grow in grace. But whatever you do, do not receive God's grace in vain. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. If a person is in Christ, grace can break the old patterns. If a person is in Christ, grace can heal those old wounds, whatever they may be, and set us on a new course 
That's what grace is able to do for us. Amen? Will you receive that grace? I don't know what it is for you. I don't know where you, where you come from, you know, the, the past, and I don't know what, what takes place, the conversation, that self-talk. Probably some of the most, most convincing kinds of moments in our lives is, is that those moments of self-talk where we're talking to ourselves and it's all this conversation going on and, and, and oftentimes we make our decisions based on that talk. You know, and we're not talking to somebody, we're talking to self, right? Having this conversation, what do you think? Well, I think this, and it, you know. It gets bad when you tell yourself a joke that you've never heard before, though. <laughs> That's, like, whoa, you know. But for God to enter into our world and say, you know what? As you're having this self-talk, this conversation on the inside, or you're telling yourself, Joe, whatever it may be, and for God to come in just with a thought that, you know what? You are more than this. I love you. I have a plan for you. And you're like, where does that come from? I can't believe that. I can't accept that. And that word comes again. I love you. I'm calling you. I, I desire to walk with you. I knock the door of your heart. Let me in. Right? It's grace. It's grace looking for an opportunity to make things new. God loves us. And it costs him quite a bit. He didn't have to go to the cross for me or for you, but he did. And he took a risk that someone would embrace the opportunity that he has offered us. And every great person that has ever done anything great for the kingdom of God is because they embrace the grace that God has given them. What has he provided for you? And what path will it put you on to embrace it and to walk in it and to grow up in it? Take hold of the grace that God has for you, amen? And walk in it, live it out to its fullest. You might be surprised the difference it makes in your life and the lives of those around you, amen? Won't you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Father God, I pray, Lord God, that all of the opportunities that I've passed by, all of the opportunities, my God, to do what is right, what is good, to be faithful, my God, all of the opportunities from the day I was born, my God, to, to this moment right now, that I've missed opportunities of grace, that you've called me, my God, you've called us, to serve you, to represent you. Opportunities, my God, to reflect the goodness of God, to say the words that Christ would say. I pray, Father God, oh God, somehow in your, in your grace, you're able to pardon when we have abandoned you and, and passed you by. But today is a brand new day. And as your word says, Lord God, that the day of God's favor is right now. It's right now. It's not a chronological time. It's a kairos time, a God moment time. And this is the moment of God's grace. This is the moment for us right now, a moment to respond to God as he knocks on the door of your heart. He's calling us this morning. There's something more for us to do. 
And so, God, have your way in our lives. There are some you've called to serve you on the mission field. There's some that you've called to teach and to, to preach your word, to evangelize. There's some that you've raised up and called to be a counselors, to, to be leaders of some sort. And then there are others, my God, to be a friend, a father, a mother, a grandparent, a son or a daughter, to be good in the place that we are right now, to be good as a student, to be good as a brother or a sister, just to be good. That when I'm in the presence of other people, I feel good because they are good. That they reflect the grace and the goodness of God. That there's something about those, my God, that respond to and embrace your grace. That they, they just kind of are filled with the goodness that feeds those around us. God, I pray for that kind of grace. Shower us, my God. Cover us. Fill us, my God. Let us take advantage of the grace of God. Let us become far more than we can ask or imagine because of your grace. Because of your grace. Not our ability, not our privilege in life, but because of your grace. We thank you this morning, Lord God. Let us find you right here at this altar. I'm going to invite you to come. Just come. If God has spoken to you this morning, and you say, yes, Lord, yes, I hear you. At the appointed time, it's free. Free, a, a grace that is free. It does everything for us, but costs us nothing. Opens doors for us and builds bridges for us. Oh, God, how can we escape our past? Grace. How can we receive this pardon grace grace it is grace that that changes us grace that transforms us and so this morning father god we don't take it in vain oh god let it do its work this was a journey my god of surprises a journey father god of of discoveries lord god as we walk in the grace of god uncovering, unearthing new aspects, new possibilities about ourselves that we would have never known, new opportunities that we've never even searched for. Lord God, your grace will provide. Thank you for your grace this morning, Lord God. Do a work in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.